Hello everyone. Hello to Whovians and Geeks. I'm Roy Mator, an author and podcaster, and you're listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Science Fiction Fantasy and Horror Podcast, episode 422, taped on Wednesday the 7th of February 2024 at 2259. 15. Ah, it has been a while. Tonight, accompanied by Herr Feigl Gestalt, my butler, I have piloted my Vimana, I nearly said banana, short for V-I-M-A-N-A, Vortex Interstellar Machine and Null Actuator, back to the year 1983 to talk about that increasingly pestilential time-travelling twit, the Doctor. Well, I would say that after more than nine years. Like the Doctor's twinge of cosmic angst, as you're about to find out tonight, I've been experiencing a touch of what I'm going to call multiversal malaise, hence my late return. Therefore, please ignore... Scandalous rumours of my discontinuation. Feigl is hunting down the naysayers as we speak. Well, when I say hunting down, I mean looking for them and about to offer them tea and crumpets. Yeah, sure he is. Hmm. <laughs> Enough frivolity, let's talk about this. Oh yeah, I haven't even said what I'm going to be doing tonight yet. Yeah, well, I am talking about classic Doctor Who. I'm continuing my revisit. Tonight we are talking about the 1983 special, The Five Doctors. I should warn you before we go into this, there may be frequent breaks. Some because I just need a break to sit down, but others because I'm trying to avoid some noise. Okay, let's start this then. Let's talk production notes. There's quite a lot of cast tonight, so I'm just going to point out the notable cast. And even then, it's going to be quite long. The Fifth Doctor is played by Peter Davison, the Fourth Doctor Tom Baker, the Third Doctor John Pertwee, the Second Doctor Patrick Troughton, the First Doctor not William Hartnell, because he had died by now, but instead another chap called Richard Herndahl. His companions and other characters. Tegan Yovanka is played by Janet Fielding. Vizlo Turlo, played by Mark Strickson. Carol Lanford is Susan Foreman. Elizabeth Slarden is Sarah Jane Smith. Lola Ward is Romana Two. Fraser Hines is Jamie McCrimmon. Zoe Harriet is played by Wendy Padbury. Liz Shaw by Carolyn John. The Master is Anthony Ainley. Lord President Barusa is played by an actor called Philip Latham, a very familiar face to British television, especially in the 60s and 70s, but also later on. He was in The Avengers, UFO, Hammer House of Horror. I could go on like this for hours. Rassilon is played by an actor called Richard Matthews. He played the first Rassilon. This is the first screen depiction of Rassilon, and was also in Children of the Stones. The director was Peter Moffat who also directed 
in Doctor Who. State of Decay, The Visitation, Mordrin Undead, The Five Doctors, The Twin Dilemma, and The Two Doctors. The writer was Terence Dix, a familiar name to Whovians. He was in Doctor Who from 1968 to 2011 as a script editor, a script writer, an author, and he was also a producer outside of Doctor Who. The producer was JNT, John Nathan Turner. Location. This was filmed in Wales, Buckinghamshire, Middlesex, Cambridge, Ealing Film Studios and BBC Television Centre in 1983. As for broadcast, this was the 20th anniversary special, marking the 20th year of Doctor Who to the day, although we'll talk about the broadcast day in a bit. It was story 129, following the season 20 finale, The King's Demons, which I talked about in episode 519. It was 90 minutes long and first broadcast to the world on the 23rd of November, the actual anniversary of Doctor Who, and the 25th of November 1983 in the UK. The reason for the discrepancy in the UK, not broadcasting it on the actual day of the anniversary, was because they wanted to do it during the Children in Need appeal. Media releases. There was a Target novelisation by Terence Dix in 1983. It was available on VHS and Betamax. Betamax! In 1985. Laserdisc in 94. VHS in the Five Doctors, the Collector's Edition, together with the King's Demons in 95, on the Rock Player for mobile phones in 2005, Rock Player, that sounds vaguely familiar, an app for feature phones, maybe? That sounds about right. On a DVD titled 25th Anniversary Edition in 2008, on Blu-ray, the collection box set season 20 in 2023. I'd just like to add at this point, if you think I'm going on a bit too much, that actually these notes on media releases are a summary of English language only releases and are not definitive. So if I was to go into every single language, we'd be here till next year. Additionally, I seldom mention the amazing cover artists like Chris Achilleos and Andrew Skilleter, because, like many aspects of this revisit, I have to draw the line somewhere. Otherwise, it would take longer than my lifetime to finish. It's already been more than nine years, and that's probably not the last time you'll hear me bemoaning that fact in this episode. <laughs> Sorry about that. Let me just talk zeitgeist, then I may or may not run a clip, then I'll tell you what happens. So, zeitgeist. What was happening on the day of the first broadcast? Well, there were two days of the first broadcast, or rather one day to be accurate about it. Okay, let me try this. Billy Joel's annoying earworm Uptown Girl was number one in the UK, spanning both the world broadcast on the 23rd and the UK broadcast on the 25th. As for the rest of the top 10 that week, it was pretty rubbish except 
for The Cure's The Love Cats and Michael Jackson's Thriller. Yeah. Top 10 for those days were pretty dismal in the UK. I am sorry. And so, on to the clip that I may or may not run. I'm going to have a break now. If there is a clip, enjoy it. If there is not a clip, for whatever reason, then, well, I'm going to say don't enjoy it, but then it'll be a quick hop to me telling you a synopsis of the story. So, whatever happens, see you in a moment. Doctor has been taken out of time. Lethbridge Stewart. Your place is prepared. You're deliberately choosing to go on the run from your own people in a rackety old TARDIS. Why not? After all... That's how it all started. Hello, I'm back. I hope you enjoyed the clip, if indeed there was one. If there wasn't, well, let me tell you what happens in The Five Doctors from 1983. Okay. The Doctor is cleaning the TARDIS console, making it all nice and sparkly, as they arrive at the peaceful, beautiful and pastoral Eye of Orion, to take a rest from their adventures. The Fifth Doctor, however, suddenly experiences pain and says that he feels as if I'd lost something. The symptoms become worse, so he decides to travel to find his other selves. And that ultimately leads them to Gallifrey's ancient gladiatorial arena, called the Death Zone. Elsewhere, in time and space, a spinning black obelisk that we will learn is a time scoop is also kidnapping doctors from across time and depositing them, sometimes with companions or friends and some of the doctor's deadliest enemies, in the Death Zone. At the Citadel, the Supreme Council of Gallifrey is concerned and dispatch the Master on a rescue mission in exchange for a full pardon and access to regenerations. The Master unsurprisingly accepts, but is disbelieved by the third Doctor, John Pertwee. Who can blame him? The Doctors and Companions, except for the fourth Doctor, who's stuck in Cambridge, Negotiate the perils of the Death Zone, Daleks, Cybermen, a Yeti, and a Rastan Warrior Robot, the lethal traps of the sinister Dark Tower, the Master's maniacal machinations, before they arrive at the tomb of Razalon, the legendary Time Lord. At the Citadel, there's some suspicious subterfuge afoot, when the Castellan, suspected of treachery, is killed while apparently trying to escape. The Fifth Doctor discovers President Barusa, clad in black, wearing the psi-enhancing coronet of Razalon in a secret chamber. The plan, his plan, is to use the Doctors, who have proven themselves highly resourceful in the past, to find safe passage to the tomb of Razalon where President Barusa will be granted immortality, enabling him to rule Gallifrey for eternity. 
At the tomb, the doctors try to understand a riddle in old high Gallifreyan carved into a small stelae. Barusa enters, and Razanon's projection asks if he's sure he wants immortality. Barusa eagerly says that he does, and is given the ring of Razalon to wear. He then dematerializes and is imprisoned in stone in the side of Razalon's tomb, there to remain forever. The first doctor laughs, saying, I suddenly realized what the old proverb meant. To lose is to win, and he who wins shall lose. It was all part of Razalon's trap to find out who wanted immortality and put him out of the way. The Doctors and their companions leave. The Fifth Doctor's departure is interrupted by Chancellor Flavia, who pronounces him Lord President. The Doctor says he will join her shortly, then flees with Tegan and Turlo. And that's a brief synopsis of the Five Doctors. Oh, it seems to go on for a while. Maybe it's my imagination. Whatever the case, oh man, I'm a bit tired today. Nothing new there. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to take another little break and then I'll tell you my thoughts. Hello there, I am back. If you're ever wondering what I'm doing during my breaks, well, sometimes I tell you, I'm watching TV, but I tend not to do that anymore because it means turning on stuff that I then need to turn off before I start recording again. Perhaps you have images of me, or perhaps that's an image in my own head, more likely the latter, that I'm wearing a smoking jacket with a cognac and a nice fat cigar. No, I was doing none of that. I was sweeping the kitchen. There you go. (laughs) Okay, now that we've talked story, let us talk my thoughts. At the beginning of this adventure, the fifth doctor says he experienced just a twinge of cosmic angst. And let me tell you, the way I've been feeling lately... Yeah, me too, doctor. The time scoop is really just the spooky mirror vehicle from the Phantom Zone of Superman 3, which was released in July that year, and of course used that effect first. I don't know if the one influenced the other, but we do know that Doctor Who is fairly um, acquisitive of other properties, shall we say. I didn't say derivative. Let's talk characters. Intrepid investigative journalist, Sarah Jane Smith, is one of my favourite companions. Along with Leela and Ace and Romana One. Mainly because she's an investigative journalist and I was a columnist. Not exactly the same thing, but we both at some point worked for a newspaper. However, Elizabeth Slardin's acting, whether by direction or choice, largely consisted of rage and fear and screaming 
and the constant need to be rescued, and that irritated me. There was a lot of that earlier on in the series, when she was a companion, but she didn't seem to have as much independence and agency in this adventure. William Hartnell, the first Doctor, was of course dead by this time, and so they chose the actor Richard Herndall, who looks and sounds absolutely nothing like William Hartnell's first Doctor, and is not using the earlier Doctor's nice twisty cane that we first saw in Marco Polo, but instead a shiny black cane reminiscent of the one from The Reign of Terror. Apparently the latter is more iconic, and I disagree with that strongly, and I know I'm focusing on the minutiae, talking about a bloody walking stick... But since I lean on a walking stick to do this podcast, it bugs me and it's stuck in my mind. I don't know why I keep harping on about this. Okay, the main thing is that Richard Herndall looked and sounded nothing like William Hartnell. He did a good job of playing a doctor, but it seemed a very different doctor. It is great when the first doctor meets Susan Foreman again and confronts the Daleks. But why was there no catching up after the Hartnell speech at the beginning of The Five Doctors, no less? It does seem a bit odd and a bit of a lapse. I laughed when he sent the thoroughly modern Tegan for refreshments. What a cheek! And it is played for laughs there. Peter Davison is sort of giving her the look that just humour the man. (laughs) To her credit, Tegan doesn't throw a wobbly. I think if I was in the same position and a female, I would probably be really annoyed. More annoyed. On the other hand, Turlow does go to give her a hand on the... Fifth Doctor's Instructions. We also meet Liz Shaw and Mike again, but as phantoms. The phantom Liz Shaw goes full invasion of the body snatchers, screaming, STOP HIM! (laughs) With wide staring eyes. The Brigadier. Brigadier Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart, the retired Brigadier, is still a surprisingly hard man. He is one tough geezer when he decks the Master out cold. Even in retirement. Blimey. (laughs) Of all the Doctors, John Pertwee's three oozes confidence... And charisma and charm, what a man, or as I say in Red Dwarf, what a guy. Ah, seeing him again in this made me really miss the Third Doctor. All the Doctor's enemies are cyborg or robotic. Enough to give our (laughs) present-day AI-phobic Tachillionaires the willies. Tachillionaires? That's a new word. Also, I do love that surprisingly violent fight scene between the Cyberman and the Raston warrior robot. 
played intimidatingly well by Keith Hodiak. A guy who could dance, so I suppose he had the moves to position himself in a kind of martial arts way and he looked really intimidating. It was pretty good. That combat scene features an exploding head, a sudden amputation, and vile yellow liquid gore spouting from the mouth of a Cyberman. All really apropos for Death Zone combat as befits the ancient gladiatorial arena of the Time Lords. There's also another fight scene between the Second Doctor and a Yeti, <laughs> which is comedically brilliant when the Doctor tries throwing a firework at the Yeti, and the Brigadier says when the Yeti attacks them again, that all the Doctor's done is enraged the Yeti. That was hilarious. That was absolutely hilarious. I enjoyed that. <laughs> and not only that, at the end of that scene, it appears that the Doctor has actually trapped them by causing a rockfall. They get out of it, but initially it's very funny. Oh, next. Okay. The Time Lords, the Citadel, the Death Zone... All things that we've seen before, but also newer information about the time scoop, the treacherous and beautifully wizardy Black Tower that wouldn't have looked out of place in The Lord of the Rings, and also Why Can't I Have One, the Tomb of Razalon, the Forbidden Black Scrolls of Razalon. <laughs> the Doctor says when he sees them, I thought they were out of print. The Coronet of Razalon, the Ring of Razalon, and the Riddle of Razalon. Ah, the incredible lore. There is also certainly a lot of China's first emperor, Qin Shi Huang, and any number of Egyptian pharaohs that this legendary Time Lord must have been modelled after. I haven't found proof of that, I haven't read up on it, but just looking at his outfit and the tomb and the traps and the enigmas and all that stuff. It all sounds very reminiscent of any number of ancient eccentric emperors. The old High Gallifreyan riddle inscribed on the stele in the tomb looks like a hodgepodge of Earth math symbols. I don't know if they actually mean anything. Maybe there's an Easter egg in there and one of the prop designers was a mathematician and it means something or it means something meaningful or funny or rude. I'm sure it does. Might be just random, but it's a wasted opportunity for a bit of cheek. This adventure, The Five Doctors, starting with the best speech ever made by a doctor, the first doctor regarding Susan, and ending on five, Peter Davison telling Tegan that running away from Gallifrey is how he started his adventures in the first place, is a lovely poetic loop to this 90-minute story. This is a grand adventure featuring all the Doctors, some of their companions, and their worst enemies to date. It is a glorious dive into Razalon lore, a treasure hunt, a fine Scooby-Doo moment, 
and a thoroughly nasty science fiction horror denouement at the conclusion of the game of Razalon. No wonder the doctors are scared of him. All in all, what is not to like in this adventure? Well, nothing really. One can't help seeing a parallel that resonates with UK audiences of yet another untrustworthy posho. President Barusa might as well have been a privileged Cambridge traitor or a bent upper echelon politician lousing things up because, of course, they know better. Nothing changes. There's a French quote which, at the time of writing the show notes, I wasn't sure about, so at that time I did look it up. And yes, there is. <laughs> because I did look it up. Please ça change, please ça même chose. Whew, and that's what I have to say about the five doctors. Trivia. There's more unverifiable trivia, care of Wikipedia. This would have been not the five doctors, but the six doctors, had not Robert Holmes left production and Terence Dix taken over. One ex-script editor to another. Some of the unused plot of the six doctors was used in Robert Holmes' later The Two Doctors and Chris Chibnall's The Timeless Children, although I don't know that for a fact because I haven't seen that other script. And it's from Wikipedia, so who the hell knows? Also, Tom Baker. Yes, he kind of is in this, but Tom Baker's parts were all taken from Sharda, because he declined to play the role so soon after leaving it. He was still worried about being typecasted, I suppose, or he'd just had enough of it and had enough of JNT. Many of the actors playing the Doctor, particularly Baker, have been grumpy regarding their time on the show until much, much later. Now, in old age, the man seems almost chipper about it nowadays, there's lots of shots of him smiling with fans. Maybe age mellows people. It doesn't mellow me, it doesn't mellow my dad. Hmm, maybe not. Or maybe age makes you more wise. Makes you more prone to wisdom. One hopes. Do I sound dubious about that? I hope not. I'm trying to be better the older I get. Whether that's working or not... Hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's really all I have to say about that. This foolhardy adventure that I've been on for more than nine years now. On this crazed, quixotic quest. After all this... Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go on a pub crawl. TARDIS Comedian Circuit. Oh, my Vimana comes with reality engineering. So my Hoovians, my friends, my fellow geeks, wizards. If you see a worse for wear old school rocket ship or an elaborate Hindu temple, a suspiciously enormous hat, or a gigantic building-sized pair of glasses, 
parked outside a uh, pub, specifically Altair City Spaceport's Rusty Rocket Tavern, you'll know that I've finished. If you find me conscious inside, buy me another well-deserved Betelgeusean Brain Buster to make sure I don't remain that way for much longer. And that, my friends, for now is it. Next on the revisit will be starting season 21. Then we'll have 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, six seasons left to finish Doctor Who, the classic series, completely. Well, almost completely. We'll do a few wrap-up things, but then it'll be done, thank God. Oh. <laughs> it definitely feels like Stockholm Syndrome after so long. Now, let's see. I don't think I've left anything out. I'm finished for now. The next one you hear from me will probably not be a revisit of anything, but just a general catch-up of all geek things, perhaps? I'm not sure. It might be a revisit. I don't know. Forget what I just said. It could be anything. <laughs> when that comes out, also, I don't know. But hopefully, not as long as the interval between the last episode and this episode. Fairly soon, in other words. If all goes well, this episode will be uploaded tomorrow. And you can enjoy it then. And please let me know what you think. And that is it. So goodbye for now. You can find me at roymator.com. Please review, rate, support, and recommend the show to a friend or mortal enemy. The time at the end is... 23.42.32. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye! On this crazed, chaotic, on this crazed, chaotic, quixotic, 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 quest. Stop him!